at some point, it's not even going to be about the safety. It's just going to be about the reality that the technology is now here and now it's a new normal. And you're also going to see an increase in voice tech, right? Obviously, Siri, Alexa, you know, those things exist. But, you know, sometimes they're a little bit glitchy. So you're going to see not only massive improvements on voice technology, you're also going to see it being integrated in a lot more different things. You're going to be able to use it a lot more. You're going to see coffee machines. Hey, Keurig, make my coffee, right? You might be saying, well, if it's your coffee machine at home, like, why do you need to talk to it? Because you're not scared of your own coffee machine. No. But the reality is once the technology exists and now that's more of a thing, they're going to make stuff direct to consumer. Welcome to the Uncensored Show with your host, George Atchampal, where we share the mindset, tips, tools, strategies, and stories on how to use your money to do more of what you love and what you were called to do. Money is like gas on a road trip. Sure, you need it to get where you're going, but you're not going on a tour of gas stations. Money fuels your journey. The question is, what's yours? Live life uncensored. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Uncensored Podcast. And guess what? We're back for another solo episode. And all that really means is that I forgot that I didn't have a bunch of pre-recorded episodes already with guests. And now I have to do it all on my own. But hey, last week was great. Got some good feedback. Looks like you guys enjoyed it. So hey, here we are again. Today, what I want to talk about are my prediction on how the world will change post-COVID. Originally, I wanted to record this podcast like back in March. A lot of these things, these are ideas that I've already started to socialize and some of which have already arguably come to fruition on some level. But I think we still have a lot of runway. And even though some of these things are starting to surface, I think it's relevant to still lay this context out because right now we're in the early stages of this and I feel like it'll still be relevant. So let's get into it. There is no secret that the world has changed completely. And the reality is we are going to see a shift in human behavior that will last well beyond the pandemic, well beyond, you know, us just getting comfortable with the world getting back to normal, whatever that even means and whenever that even is, right? And I am just, I've really been thinking about what does that look like? How do we adapt in this time period? Because if we go back maybe just about 10 years ago on just, you know, after the last recession, we remember that, you know, we're probably still in the recession at that time, but we remember how things changed, right? We remember companies like Uber being born, right? Before Uber, if someone would have told you that, hey, you're going to get in a car, not a taxi, right? You're going to get in a random person's car, a stranger's car, and you're going to be comfortable with them taking you wherever you need to go. If someone would have told you that you're going to rent out a room in a city that you've never been to in someone's house, not a hotel, some stranger's house, you're going to rent out a room and that's going to be normal, right? If someone would have told you that before it happened, you wouldn't have believed them. And so now we're on the precipice, on the cusp of another one of those time periods where we're going to see shifts in behavior. And so I want to kind of put my thoughts out on what I think that will look like. All right, so let's get into it. So right now we're seeing a lot of people work from home because they have to, right? They're working from home and a lot of these companies 
even though they had the finances, the infrastructure and the resources to be able to allow their employees to work from home, for whatever reason, they just were gung ho on office culture, which I like. I like being around people like, you know, me being home and even though I'm an entrepreneur, you know, I have a small team. Uh, you know, I like the idea of, you know, being able to be around folks and being in the office. Don't get me wrong. But, you know, most of our work largely is virtual. And so for me, it wasn't a big shock. Like, mm, you know, this is what I'm used to. What was, I think, a shock is that it was forced. And it's one thing to work from home voluntarily. It's another thing to where like that has to be your end all be all. Right. My home is my gym. It's my restaurant. It's my office. It's my everything. Right. And so it's a little bit different when it's mandated. But It wasn't that big of a deal for me, but for some folks, it's a completely different dynamic, right? Something that they've never experienced. And it's going to be really hard for some people to go back. When you go from being able to just roll out of bed and get to work, that's a very different ball game than waking up, getting dressed, or maybe showering first, showering, getting dressed, putting on clothes, making a commute, going to the office. That's a lot. And I know that some companies have already started the process of wanting some of their employees to come back, but there's a lot of companies that right now they're going to be rethinking their need to work from an office. And so what you're going to see is a decrease in demand for a commercial office space. But the problem with that is a lot of these buildings already exist. So the question then becomes what happens to this office space, right? Now that you have all these companies that say, eh, You know, we don't need to go into the office. We don't need that. That's a little bit excessive. Or maybe we don't need that much staff. So I'm very curious to see the dynamic shift in folks commuting and going into offices. You're definitely going to see a decreased demand in office space. I'm very curious to see how that plays out in the real estate sector. I'm confident that they'll find a way to repurpose it. Maybe, you know, those buildings will ultimately be repositioned and created as condos. I don't know. But all I, I what I do know is there is going to be a change in everybody who used to work in their office. I can guarantee you that not everybody's going back. Right. And not the fact that everybody's not going back just because some folks jobs isn't going to be there when they go back. Just that we are now experiencing a, a shift in dynamic. These companies realize, oh, my gosh, it actually is possible. Folk work from home. Right. And. On top of that, if I can save hundreds of thousands of dollars on office space, if not millions, depending upon the size of your footprint, why wouldn't I? So that's my first prediction. And that's kind of a no brainer. I feel like most people, anybody can see that one. The next one's a little more exciting. I think that we are going to see an increase in voice and touchless technology because there is going to be a period of time. And again, it might start as a result of the pandemic, but it's going to stay around afterwards. People don't want to touch stuff. So people don't want to touch stuff. Then guess what? It needs to be touchless. So you're going to see an increase in the technology that comes out for being able to do things without touching them. Imagine going into a restaurant where there's an app, right? You pull up your phone and that restaurant's full menu is in that app, right? You have the ability to pay, check out, summon a waiter all from the app. That way you're touching your own device and never have to touch a menu, never have to pull out your card, never have to grab a card holder, right? It puts you in an environment where you can still be out, right, and about but never have to touch some of the things that you historically have to touch. You just pull out your phone. It'll automatically see that you're in a certain restaurant. It'll pull up that menu. It'll probably even pull up your profile, right? Maybe if you've eaten there before, you can do everything you need to do in that app, order, pay, check out, and not have to interact with anybody, right? And I know on some level, like there's restaurants that have those little, you know, kiosks at the table and, you know, or things of that nature. But what I'm talking about here is you never have to touch anything from the restaurant besides the utensils that you eat with. Maybe like grabbing your chair to sit down. That's it, right? Because people still are going to want to go out. 
let's not get it twisted. People want to interact with folk, but people just want a safer way to do things. And again, at some point, it's not even going to be about the safety. It's just going to be about the reality that the technology is now here and now it's a new normal. And you're also going to see an increase in voice tech, right? Obviously, Siri, Alexa, you know, those things exist. But, you know, sometimes they're a little bit glitchy, we're being honest, right? So you're going to see not only massive improvements on voice technology, you're also going to see it being integrated in a lot more different things. You're going to be able to use it a lot more. You're going to see coffee machines. Hey, Keurig, make my coffee. You might be saying, well, if it's your coffee machine at home, like, why do you need to talk to it? Because you're not scared of your own coffee machine. No. But the reality is once the technology exists and now that's more of a thing, they're going to make stuff direct to consumer. And that's also getting us primed and ready for the Internet of Things. So you're going to see rapid adoption of things that were already on the horizon. But now those things are going to come to pass a lot faster. Right. You're going to be able to voice anything. Hey, Uber, bring me a car. Right. You're going to be able to, again, if some of this stuff on some level already exists, great. My point is, it's not nearly as mainstream as it will be in the next 24 to 36 months. Between touchless tech, voice tech, companies are going to find ways to double down on that type of technology. As a result, right, it it was a result of a circumstance, but then sets a new standard that we all abide by. And if anybody knows me, I love a good voice note. I love a good voice text, but I love that stuff. So I'm actually very excited about what that will look like in a few short years, right? How will this voice technology simplify, enhance the way that we do and use things? That's my second prediction, an increase in the adoption of voice and touchless tech. We're already starting to see some of this, but again, not widespread yet, but theaters are done. Theaters are done. Okay, and this won't be like an overnight thing because people are romantic about theaters, right? Something about going to the movies and seeing the big screen and grabbing the buttery popcorn and the overpriced candy. So because people are very romantic about it, right? That's the one thing you got to realize about technology or just changes in general. The reason why things don't happen as fast, even though they make sense, is because people just like to do things the way they like to do things. Right. And oftentimes they're romantic about like, why does radio still exist? Because people are romantic about radio, what it means, how it feels. So I'm not saying that like theaters going away is going to be an overnight thing. But what I am saying is big blockbuster type movies will be coming direct to consumer. You will be able to buy them right from your living room. Right. So, you know, these movies are still going to create their, you know, their big blockbuster movies. But now, and if we're being honest, they're going to realize that's what they should have did a long time ago anyway. They can still have their special release dates. But imagine everybody being able to watch from the comfort of their home. It's a different ball game. More scale, right? For the parents who are like, oh, well, you know, we would go see it, but we got the kids. Now they can watch it right from the home. So you're going to see that that happened, right? Why? Because in this season, out of circumstance, movies are having to strongly consider that. And then once they pull the trigger on that at scale, they're going to see they should have been doing that all along anyway. So direct to consumer box office hits, right? No more having to go to the movies. No more having to, you know, again, I'm not saying no more because I think they're not going to just go away overnight. And some folks are still very nostalgic and again, romantic about it. But the ability is coming. And as a result of that, there'll be a behavior change in how people decide to engage with that, right? So that'll be very interesting. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another segment of Fix Your Finances Friday, where each and every week we help you fix at least one thing as it relates to your finances. All right, so what are we going to do this week? This week, 
we are going to address our back taxes. Okay. This week, we're going to address our back taxes. We are going to stop going all these years with unpaid taxes. And if many of you, um, you know, we went through the COVID-19 experience, right? Hopefully, by the time this airs, we're out of it. If not, oh, well. But when we went through that, Right. You might have realized like, dang, man, this is why I got to pay my taxes because I'm not even eligible for these benefits that I need right now. Right. File your your unpaid taxes. Right. It's it's super easy to do, especially if you have a job and, a you know, a regular W-2. It's like so simple to file. Right. Get your taxes filed. You know, my firm does have a tax professional um, that you can leverage uh, to get those filed. If, if, if not, you know, use whoever you want to use, but get them filed. And for entrepreneurs, same thing, like stop running from it. I don't care if you weren't profitable. It doesn't matter. Like get the taxes filed, right? You got to do it. And if you were profitable and your schedule, you're going to have a big tax bill. Oh, well, last thing you want to do is wait, not do it. And then at some point, Uncle Sam comes knocking and says, oh, you thought you were going to go really go all these years and not give me my money? <laughs> no. Right. So, This week, take the time to get your back taxes in order. Find a tax professional, hit us up. We'll get it squared away for you if you need it. But begin the process. I don't care if the government is pushing back the time of when you you can file and all that stuff. You need to address this, right? Put your big boy, your big girl pants on, right? And let's get this done so that you can have that monkey off your back. Here's one that I'm also really fascinated by, and it's one that I think we've seen a consistent and ongoing evolution of, and that is more real content on social media, more real content, right? When you think about it, when social media first came out, people didn't know what to do. People wanted to be so perfect, right? They wanted to have these really perfectly curated feeds, because like we felt like, well, shoot, this is our first time having our own distribution channel. And I'm speaking specifically to Instagram in the moment. But we have our own distribution channel. Right. And we got it. We're competing with like the high production value of the infrastructure that is TV. Right. And so folks felt like they had to be perfect when it came to their platform. But then these social media platforms started to come out with different little things. Right. Started to come out with Instagram stories. Right. And that's where folks just intuitively treated that more as a organic like, hey, I'm just going to post this in a moment. But my feed, though, my feed, that's still going to be fire. Then came along Instagram Live, right? Where it's like, oh, this is just in the moment, right? This is how I'm feeling. I'm hopping on in real time. And so why do you think that the moment COVID-19 hit and everybody's at home, you instantly see everybody doing live streaming. Everybody's doing lives. The technology was there before. What changed? What changed is that on a human level, we crave interaction, right? And when something's perfectly curated, when something's pre-thought out, you lose the human element. You lose the real-time connection element. The reason why people prefer stories over feed is because even though maybe that's not as real-time as like an IG Live, the content and the nature of the content is more real-time, right? It's not like, oh, this is the thing I have stored up in my drafts that I'm waiting to drop on Thursday. This is the, oh, this is how I'm feeling right now in the moment, right? And then it's only 
don't last for 24 hours. And so you just start to draw these conclusions like, oh, so when content isn't going to last forever, people are okay using it more as a medium to live in the moment. Whereas when it's going to last on your feed forever, of course you can archive. But the idea of this thing being on your profile indefinitely, people felt the need to put a little more thought into it, but not when COVID-19 dropped, right? Instantly, we reverted back to our raw human instinct and say, hey, I want to interact with somebody. I can't see them in person. So like, I don't want to look at your feed, your video that you pre-recorded. I want to I want to look at you. And it reminded us that we crave human interaction. And even though there will be a point where we will be able to get back outside and have fun and connect with our friends and family, we're going to see a shift because of circumstance in the technology that people like more. Because people are like, oh man, I actually like this. I like the fact that I can connect with this person in real time. I like the fact that it's raw and authentic and you can't edit it, right? Like this is what it is. It's live. Folks are talking back and forth. Folks are bringing folks on. So you're going to see an increase in technology that is less curated and becomes more of an extension of who we are, right? Versus it being our highlight reel, which is great. I think that's phenomenal, right? Our social media, our, our internet, the way we use it, we're going to become one with it, right? Versus it being like, like some people really still feel like this internet is a separate thing that they can just turn off. There is no off switch for the internet. Your phone is in your hand 24 seven. As a matter of fact, let's do a checklist. I'm going to try to find this note that I did a long time ago. It was like how to know if you're addicted to social media. All right, here we go. I wrote this back in July of 2016. So almost four years ago, 18 ways to tell if you're addicted to social media. And it sounds like an aggressive word, right? But really the reality is you're one with this stuff. One with your phone, one with the internet. Let's go through it. One. Raise your hand or put a finger up if you go in the bathroom with your phone. Put a finger up if you're sitting on the toilet and your phone needs to charge, but you make the cord stretch so you can still be on the phone, right? Instead of just using the bathroom, you're like, oh man, my phone's about to die. I got to bring a charger into the bathroom so that I can be on my phone while I'm on the toilet. I know this sounds a little, ooh, you're talking about being on the toilet. Well, the reality is you do it. Obviously, isn't that nasty. So let's talk about it, right? Number three, if you look forward to red lights so that you can check your phone. Number four, if you sit in the car for a while after you're parked to continue checking your phone. Number five, if checking social media is the first thing you do in the morning before getting out of bed. Number six, if you check social media in the middle of eating, working out, or having conversations. Number seven, if you close your social media app, then accidentally reopen it right back up when you're supposed to look for something else just because of how default of a thought it is to go to that app. How many fingers we got up? Let's keep going. If you're already running behind somewhere, but you still find time to check social media, right? If you have to tell yourself, all right, I need to get off, and then you don't. If you only know people by their at names on social media, like, dog, what's so-and-so's name? If you refer to social media as if it is an actual destination, so-and-so was all up in my mentions. <laughs> if you have hashtags, pictures, memes, or gifs saved on your phone, ready for easy access. I can tell that that's a little bit old because now all these apps, you can just pull up the gifs and all that right in the app, but you get the point. If you feel like the world is over if your phone is dead, if every social activity you do has to be mentioned on social media, 
If you check social media while you're driving, if you try to do things with one hand that actually require both hands so that you can hold your phone in the other hand to check social media. Like you ever seen somebody like brush their teeth and hold their phone, cook and hold their phone, eat and hold their phone. Come on, guys. I'm not judging. I came up with this list because at some point I may have done some of these. Right. So I was like, damn, this is this is silly. This is ridiculous. Or is it? Which is what we're talking about. This is a good one. If you slow down at a light, you could have made just so you will have time to check your social media. Like you literally intentionally didn't want to make the light just so you could check your phone. All right. Here's the last one I got on the list. If you realize that you've already seen the things you're looking at on your timeline or your stories, but you go back and continue to look at them or you keep scrolling anyway. If you answer yes to some, most, or all of those, then guess what, my friend? There is no off switch. You are one with your phone. You are one with social media. You are one with the internet. And so we've got to acknowledge that it's not so much that that's a bad thing, but how do we start to connect with technology in a way that becomes an extension of our lifestyle and doesn't replace it, right? Because you still need to live life. You still got to enjoy your life. But I brought all that up to say that it's a must if we're going to be on our phone so much anyway, that the technology over indexes into things that create more genuine human interaction. So that's my prediction. You're going to see less of the curated stuff, a whole lot less of it and more technology that leans into live, live, live real time. Getting your money right can seem challenging. You don't know where to start or what to do. Fortunately, we found the answer. MyMoneyEDU is the fastest growing online financial education company in the U.S. We offer practical, valuable, and actionable financial resources to help you transform your relationship with money. Financial education redefined. MyMoneyEDU. To learn more, go to MyMoneyEDU.com and check out our website, Also, be sure to check out the show notes for more details. All right. Now, this is probably my most favorite thought slash prediction of them all. Okay, this is one of my favorites. You are going to see the rapid adoption of virtual reality. It is going to be the closest thing we get to time travel. And for those of you who don't know what virtual reality is, and again, I'm no expert, but like I know you put on some type of headset, some type of goggles, and then, you know, you feel like you're in the game fighting someone or whatever the simulation is. Right. And what I hear and I got to try this out so I can speak to this more intelligently. But what I hear is that the brain has a hard time distinguishing between that and reality. It's either between like 93 and like 99% like reality in terms of how the brain processes it, right? And so I feel like that we already saw a behavior change. If someone would have told you six months ago that you would be showing up to a Instagram live with a drink. Some people even got dressed, maybe to be funny. For someone who was playing, who was who was a DJ that was playing music over Instagram live virtually and you just rocking out like you at a party, you got your friends in there commenting, you having a good time, right? If someone would have told you six months ago that you would do that, you'd be like, yo, you wildin'. But yet here we are. So that is the gateway drug to virtual reality, right? You're now used to the 
idea of sitting at home and having this experience as if you're like with people. So imagine you put on a headset and when you put on the headset, you can decide where you want to go. I'm going to the club. I'm going to Dubai. I'm going wherever. Right. And then you can simulate that experience. But instead of it being like Instagram live, because the brain distinguishes VR so close to regular reality, you're now feeling like you're doing those things. And then imagine a world where you can do it collectively, right? Like you can invite your friends and then y'all are all in the space together, right? So, hey girls, guys, let's take a trip to Dubai. You all put on your headsets. Y'all can select the same destination or there's gonna be some way for y'all to go together. And you're virtually traveling. You're virtually having a good time. It might sound a little far-fetched right now, but again, six months ago, if I would've told you to celebrate your birthday on Zoom, with cocktails and music. People like people went all out. Like I had a little Zoom situation. It wasn't as deep as that, but like people have DJs, people dressed up, like people went all in. So you mean to tell me that you'll do that, but you won't put on some goggles and, and a headset that makes it feel 20 times realer? I think not. So you're gonna see the rapid adoption of VR. Before coronavirus, we were probably 10 to 15 years away from rapid adoption. I say now we're less than three less than three years away from rapid adoption of virtual reality. It's going to get to the point where you can buy virtual clothes. Again, I just want to connect the dots for y'all so y'all don't think this is far-fetched. Let's do the finger test again. And this time it's only just one. So raise your hand. Raise your hand if you've ever been more concerned about making sure that you got a picture so that you can get a stamp in time moment for your fresh outfit for the gram and might have took your back right back off. Might not even went nowhere for real, but you wanted to make sure you at least got a picture of it because now you got that picture. So you were content with having that picture as a representation of you, right? Even though you maybe didn't even go nowhere for real, right? But you got that pick off. So you mean to tell me you think it's far-fetched that you won't go in, in a VR world and buy some virtual swag? No, right? You're going to have literal brands, right? They're going to have virtual stores. Like it ain't going to be as much as like your typical Chanel, Gucci, whatever. But like you're going to be able to buy virtual swag and people really going to do it. Trust me, like virtual shopping because it's gonna feel real. Like it's gonna going to the restaurant's gonna feel real. You're gonna get be able to get virtual tokens, like in-app purchases, right? For VR. Telling y'all that's coming, right? And I know what you're thinking. I love to travel, I love experiences, and I do too. And I'm not saying that goes away. What I am saying, maybe it's like the new adult video game. I don't know. But just know that folks are gonna be dang near basically time traveling with their friends in VR and buying stuff inside of that VR world. And if you ever watch a show like Black Mirror, they kind of uh, allude to things like this. Um, and now it doesn't seem so crazy. They're, 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 they're predictions, right? And so these are my predictions. These are some of the ways I think the world is going to change. I think it's going to be very interesting. I hope that in all of this, that we remember that technology is supposed to be an extension of us. It's not supposed to replace us, right? And let's not think super big about tech, right? Tech is just like something that is created to make something easier. Like a knife is technology at the end of the day, right? Instead of trying to rip something apart with your hands piece somebody invented a knife said hey look we need to cut stuff right a fork is technology it's supposed to be an extension if you look at a fork right a fork is like your hand your arm right except a fork i think has like little four prongs maybe four maybe five a fork is just an extension of your hand right think about it that's all technology is supposed to be it's supposed to be an extension of us it's not supposed to replace us so i hope back to my prediction about more real-time technology that like it gives us a way to connect with people like we never connected with people before more meaningful more real time but i do hope that it doesn't replace us i do hope that we're not uh, virtual 
virtual reality drones and we are so content putting on these goggles that we forget what it's like to really be around real people. And I think I said this on my podcast with Alex Wolf. Shout out to Alex Wolf. She's like, her mind is just out of this world. But one of the things I mentioned to her, and I've said this probably in the past as well, is Harvard did a study, their longest study to date. And in that study, what they identified is that the only like legitimate connection that they were able to find to a longer human life was genuine human interaction. That is the only link that they could find to a longer human life was human interaction. We need people. We need each other. We're interdependent. So while these technology companies are continuing to increase their tech and change and transform the world, let's just be thoughtful about how we build, what we build, why we build, so that these things can make our lives better and not replace certain elements of our lives. Now, I know when you think about it from an economic standpoint, you put your business man or woman hat on, a lot of folks create tech to eliminate certain types of jobs. And I get that, right? That's capitalism. That's, you know, free market. But I just encourage us, our innovators, our creators, our inventors, our developers, let's create technology that brings us closer to together and is an extension of who we are so that we can lean more into living, right? Versus our technology being a crutch. So I hope that this podcast was helpful. My only real reason for recording this is I want to get on my like my Nostradamus and Gary V swag where it's like I can go back seven years and y'all can play this clip, put the time stamp on there and y'all can see how it actually played out. <laughs> but no, nah, in all actuality, I mean, you know, I have a responsibility to document the, the way things are happening and the way things are changing. We are living through historic times. Like this is insane. There's no amount of money you could have paid me to think that this is how 2020 would go. And I'm excited. I'm excited that like, even though this is a global pandemic and there's been a variety of unfortunate circumstances and there's been racial tension and uproar, I think that this year revealed a lot for us and a lot is going to change as a result. So hope that you guys are paying attention. What are some things that you guys think are going to change as a result, right? Let me know. Um, shoot me a message on social media. Um, let me know what you guys think. Also check out the show notes. Uh, I have a link where you can actually send in a a video, audio, um, or written clip or note. And if you want to share your prediction or share some, let me know. I'll shout you out on the next show or leave a, a live review or something like that. I would love to um, shout you out on the next show. Oh yeah, let me say this. Also, you can ask your questions. So get free game. Like if you want some free advice, you want your money questions answered, you want your deep, dark secrets about, hey, is it okay to hide money from my significant other? You want those questions answered? Send them in, right? Send them in. And I'd love to answer them on the show. But guys, thanks so much for tuning in. I hope you guys have a phenomenal weekend and until next time. Thank you for tuning in to an episode of the Uncensored Show. Take at least one thing you heard today and apply it to your life immediately so that you can become one step closer to living a more meaningful and fulfilling life and aligning your resources to what matters most to you. Remember, money is just a resource to fuel your journey. The question is, what's yours?